Every summer since I can remember, the Smith family made our annual pilgrimage from the plains of Kansas to the mountainous hills of Colorado. The anticipation filled our minivan. Of course, mixed in with our excitement was a small but ever-present amount of anxiety, as we soon realized how annoying family could be cramped into a minivan for nine hours. Yet the long-awaited journey through the dry, hot farmland of western Kansas was nearly forgotten as the first glimpse of the Rocky Mountains was spotted. The first one who could glimpse the distant peaks shouted for everyone else to lean forward and look out the windshield. A communal silence hovered over our minivan in that moment. Mountains. For some wonderful reason, God has chosen mountains as a meeting place. Throughout scripture, mountains are used as opportunities for spiritual formation. Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac at Mount Moriah. Moses met God in a burning bush and gathered the people of God to receive the Ten Commandments on Mount Horeb. Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and heard God speak through the silence on a mountaintop. It was on a mountain that Jesus preached his famous sermon and was transfigured in front of his disciples. Jesus went up on a mountain to pray in, Mark, in Luke's gospel and healed the garrison demoniac on a mountain in Mark's gospel. Throughout scripture, mountains are a symbolic image of stability and God's power. They are a representation of the characteristics of God and God's creation. They are often called God's dwelling place, holy places, or the hill of the Lord. Throughout times, humans of different cultures, including our own, have associated sacred space with mountains. Maybe it is their magnitude and beauty. Maybe it is their soaring heights and proximity to the sky. Whatever the reason we revere a mountaintop experience, there are just not many words that can describe the feeling of summiting a mountain. At the top of the mountain, our breath is taken away by beauty. There is stillness and a silence that overwhelms our spirit. We bask in reverence and awe at what our eyes can see. And we feel a sense of safety and vulnerability all at the same time. It is no wonder Christians often go on retreats in the mountains. We join our biblical ancestors on a journey to the mountains to find God. Because there's just something about being on a mountain that makes you feel closeness you did not feel before on shallow ground. Whatever your present state may be on the mountain, you are met with reality. 
It is on the mountain where you realize how small you really are in the grand scheme of the universe and how great God really is. Psalm 121 begins with the psalmist looking towards the mountains, feeling the reality set in of the journey set before him. Sometimes called the traveler's psalm, this psalm is set in a cluster of psalms called Psalms of Ascent, typically sung by Israelites on their annual pilgrimages to Jerusalem. Now, we do not know if this particular traveler was journeying to Jerusalem on this day or what the reason or destination was of his trip. However, we do know the traveler is beginning the trip with some anxiety and real-life questions. The psalm begins with the traveler asking the anxious question any one of us would ask before embarking on a journey or setting out on a long trip. The traveler looks to the dusty path in front of him and then up to the mountain peaks towering above him and asks, where does my help come from? In other words, Will I arrive safely? Will I get there without an accident? What if I get lost along the way? Who or what will help me? In the psalmist moment of uncertainty and disorientation before his journey, he looks to the mountain. And something about his gaze toward the mountain causes him to then confess, My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Maybe he too reminisced of past experiences in the mountains. Peaceful moments where he had met God or past pilgrimages when God had kept him and brought him safely home from his journey. Or maybe the mountain reminded him of a reality, of his weakness and inability to walk the journey alone. Whatever his reasons, he looked to the mountains for help, questioning and full of fear. And sure enough, Confidence came, assuring him God would keep him safe. Two verses into Psalm 121, and we're through. The psalmist has questioned his security on his impending journey ahead and has come to his conclusion. Except this psalm has just begun. And we're left to wonder the motivation behind this traveler's quick response. Was he answering the question based on cliches and Sunday school answers he had acquired growing up? Or was he quickly reassuring himself because he was afraid to admit he was afraid? Of course, I remember. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. I think I learned that in a seminary class or something. Problem solved. 
and our Western culture promoting individualism and self-sufficiency causes us to respond by cheering him on. But Psalm 121 does not leave us to watch a fearful traveler muster up courage, hold in his tears, and pull up his own bootstraps. Before this pilgrim can ponder his question further, the community of faith responds with six verses of confidence in God's good and caring nature. They remind him, God will not let you fall or fail. God will not sleep on the job of taking care of you. God is your guardian and keeper, always present and near. And not only will God guard you on this small journey you're about to begin, but God guards your entire life. So when you return from this trip, God will guard you and keep you day in and day out. God is not giving up on you. Like a cheerleader's tunnel before a basketball game, this nervous traveler runs under the peaks of their arms, coming out on the other side feeling a sense of confidence knowing his community believes in him. Yet something bothers me about the positivity found in this psalm. Something my own cliche Sunday school answers do not suffice. What if, when the traveler makes it to the end of the cheerleader's arm tunnel, he trips on one of their shoes, falling face down in front of the entire auditorium? What if he begins this journey with confidence only to soon find himself along a dark pathway, not remembering where he is going? What if life gets tough and he begins to feel like God is indeed sleeping on the job? What if he doubts who he is, what he is doing, and why God would allow him to get to this place of uncertainty? The truth is, the older we get, the more we realize our rose-colored glasses no longer fit our big, bulky heads and years of experience. Our journeys and our lives do not always go as planned, and we do not always sense God's protection and safekeeping. My spiritual rose-colored glasses were quickly removed a couple of years ago when I took the wilderness spirituality class and traveled to New Mexico with Dr. Glower to visit the Monastery of Christ in the desert. Despite my difficulty to adjust to 3.45 a.m. wake-up calls for worship and the rigid schedules and silence of the Benedictine monks, What was most shocking for my experience was the chanting of psalms in the worship service. I heard psalms being recited during the week that I did not know existed. 
Psalms asking God for vengeance and judgment on one's enemies. I was concerned for these monks, concerned why they would choose such harsh psalms in their worship time. Can't they just skip over these psalms that make us uncomfortable? I asked this to Dr. Glower. Why do they need to include these psalms? And he responded by explaining the monks recite the entire Psalter over and over again. Because the Psalter are songs whose themes run the gamut of human life and experience. At any given time in the room, there is one person in the community who may be feeling these strong emotions or going through some difficulty the Psalms refer to. He went on to explain that as a community, we sing all the Psalms because sometimes, most of the time, we need someone else to hold faith for us when we cannot do so ourselves. The traveler in this psalm knew he needed help for the dangerous journey he was about to begin. He looked to the mountains for help. But why mountains? Wasn't his community behind him waiting to respond to him with confidence? I wonder if when the traveler looked to the mountains, he saw more than just mountains. There are places in Hebrew poetry where the various parts of the mountain are described as parts of the human body. The mountaintop is the head. The projections or spurs on the side are the ears. And the slope is the shoulder. So what if the mountains were a symbol of the community who sang choruses of confidence behind him. See, almost the entirety of this psalm, six out of eight verses are the response of the community holding out faith for the traveler. Their hospitality comes to this anxious traveler in the form of encouraging words, reminding him of the character of God. And their hospitality comes in the form of their presence at his going away party. So when this anxious traveler looks to the mountains, and when he would have encountered mountains along his journey, maybe he saw people. People created in God's image and who represent God's characteristics people in whom God dwell. Maybe when he looked to the mountains, he was reminded of the people of God back home, holding faith in him and for him. The traveler in Psalm 121 knew he could not begin this journey alone. And although we try, neither can we. We are all travelers on a journey, and we need one another.
For some of us in this room, the journey may be leaving one job for another or recreating and reimagining the job we already have. Our journey may be adjusting to living in Waco while missing family and friends back home. Our journey may be adjusting to seminary with piles of tasks and to-do lists and little sleep. Our journey may be graduating and looking for a place where we can put everything we learned in this place into practice. Or navigating our call to ministry. Our journey may be watching someone we love dying. Or mourning a recent death of someone we hold dear. Our journey may be dealing with betrayal by someone we loved or losing a close relationship. Our journey may be approaching marriage or wishing that someone would just come around so we could get married. Our journey may be discovering a new purpose for our lives and vocation in middle age or figuring out how to parent a new baby or a teenager. My prayer for Truett Seminary is whatever path we find ourselves traveling on today, we will look to the mountains. Look to the people sitting in our pews, sitting among us in this chapel, to hold faith for us when we cannot. And may we be mountains for our brothers and sisters in this room and outside these walls. Strangers we meet on the street. People in our workplaces, churches, and families. May we be mountains that point to God's goodness, nearness, care, and safekeeping. May we be mountains that provide a safe space for stillness and silence, wonder, awe, and empathy. And may we be mountains that remind all travelers God is not giving up on them, and neither are we. Amen.